0: cathedral family. God is good all the time. and all the time. It's so good to see you out on this weekend. All those who are joining us online, thank you so much for being here. We're on this journey looking at the fruit of the Spirit, how when you become a follower of Jesus, that God takes the Holy Spirit and plants His Spirit on the inside of us like a seed. And that seed becomes a root. The root becomes a Vine, the vine becomes a branch and the branch produces fruit, and we find that fruit listed in Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and what? And what? Goodness. Goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Goodness, have you ever heard of the phrase, that guy is a bad apple? I found this one poster online, there's this apple with a knife in its mouth, and it says, now that is a bad apple. When it comes to being a bad apple, I don't think anybody really wants to be known as, well, that guy is the bad apple. And yet there's a part of us, when it comes to our music, I mean, we don't want to be the bad apple, but we sing about being bad. I mean, Michael Jackson taught us to sing, I'm bad, I'm bad, you know it, you know it. And if bad isn't enough, then James Brown taught us to sing about being super bad. Yeah, I'm super bad, and if being super bad isn't enough because super bad isn't always being enough. We Well, George Thorogood taught us to be, well, we're bad to the bone. I'm bad to the bone, right? We don't sing about being good to the bone. We sing about being bad to the bone. I don't want to be the bad apple, but I do want to be bad to the bone. I'm so confused. <laughs> Which one is it? When video games first came out, the developers, they were developing these games, they called them God games, because you could create your own world and your own characters, and you could decide how those characters worked in the world, whether they were good or whether they were evil. and. When they were well doing research and having people demo the games, they would ask people, they would, they would say, well, what do you want to see the game do? And the, the researchers said about half the people wanted to see the good world, and about the other half of people wanted to see the bad world, and they would frame the question this way. They said, this is your world. If you want to wreak devastation and havoc, you can If you want to continue to build it and make it a nicer place, you can as well. And when we look at our world, let's look at our world. What kind of world do we live in, really? Do we live in a world where human beings are basically good? Or do we live in a world where human beings are basically bad? Or do we see that there is this tension on the inside of us? On the one hand, I don't want to be a bad apple, but on the other hand, I do want to be bad to the bone. And how can the Holy Spirit begin to produce the fruit of goodness in our lives? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, we read this. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Can somebody say amen? amen? Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Let me read the first part of that passage again. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. Would you say that with me? Let's not get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up can we give god praise for his word amen hallelujah well god is good and all the time i need you to help me out with this message Because I want you to join me on this journey of goodness that we find in the Bible. You can see it on your outline or on the Cathedral app. And the first thing I want you to notice is that we can trust in the goodness of God. We can trust in the goodness of God. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him taste and see that the lord is good when i was just a little boy you can see a picture of me and my family when i was just a little guy there in my bow tie and when i was a little boy and my mom and dad we were getting ready to eat and they would ask me to say the blessing on the meal this is the prayer that i prayed it went like this God is great and God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. Amen. How many prayed that prayer as a kid? Uh, Can we say that together, everybody? God is great and God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. Amen. That right there... Other than the Lord's Prayer, maybe the most important prayer you can teach to your kids or your grandkids. Because what's contained in that prayer, that God is great, God is all-powerful, God is almighty, God is awesome, the God we serve is great. Can somebody say amen? And the God that we serve is good. And that's important. Because if someone's all powerful and almighty, but they're not good, then we're all in trouble. It turns God into a tyrant. But when you hold those two things together, that God is great and God is good. The Bible does it this way in Psalm 145. It says, Lord, you are great. You are really worthy of praise. No one can completely understand how great you are. Oh, my. The Lord is good to all. He shows deep concern for everything he has made. God is great, and God is good. Can we give God praise for his goodness? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. And let me share with you why this is so very important. Because one of the main strategies of the enemy of your soul, the devil, he will try to undermine your confidence in the goodness of God. And if he can do that, everything in your life will go sideways. It will. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. Can we go back to the Garden? Do you remember this Doritos commercial that took us back to the Garden of Eden? Watch the screen. See if you remember this. good that, that's a great commercial but that's not exactly how the story goes when we go all the way back to the garden we see the goodness of God right at the start of it all he puts the man and the woman in a good world and out of his goodness he says you can eat." look at this garden You can eat from every tree in the garden except one. Look around, you can eat from every tree except one. God could have said, You can only eat from one tree and keep your hands off of all the other trees. But instead, God said, Because He is good, you can eat. From every tree in the garden except one. Can we give God praise for his goodness? Right there at the beginning, we see the gracious goodness of God. And the serpent shows up. And what does he do? He tries to undermine Eve's confidence in the goodness of God. The serpent whispers to Eve, did God really say, You must not eat fruit from any tree in the garden. There the serpent is painting God as the bad guy. And how does Eve respond? She's starting to buy in. She says we may eat fruit from all the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. Do not even touch it. If you do, you will die. God did not say anything about touching the fruit, but already Eve is starting to distort the character of God that maybe God isn't as good as I think. And then the serpent continues and says, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open." And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Eve's not going to buy into that lie. She's already made in the image of God. What more could she want? And yet she does. She buys into the lie and she bites into the apple. And everything in her world goes sideways. And the serpent's strategy is the same today. He will try to get, he will try to undermine your confidence in the goodness of God. Because if he can undermine your confidence in the goodness of God, once you buy into the lie and bite into the apple, everything in life, it starts to go sideways. You know, that's why one of the best things we can do to defeat the lie of the enemy is to hold on to the truth that we find in the Word of God. To declare that truth and to sing about that truth that we serve a God who is good. The reason we say that every weekend is to remind ourselves God is good all the time. and all the time. God is good. God is good. And all the time. Even when bad things happen in our world. When bad things happen in the world out there. When bad things happen in our world right here. Just because bad things happen in the world does not mean that God is not good. St. Augustine said this. He said, the omnipotent God being himself supremely good could not permit anything evil in his works, were he not so all-powerful and good as to be able to bring good even out of evil. That's how amazing God's goodness is, amen? That God can cause all things to work together for our good and for his glory. And so today I want to, well, I want us to build our confidence in the goodness of god so we can stand against the lies of the enemy the bible says for the lord is good his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations can somebody say amen, amen. the lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble can somebody say amen, amen. how great is the goodness? You have stored up for those who fear you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name. Can somebody say amen? amen? One more time, can we give God praise from the depths of our being for his goodness today? God, you are good, and you are at work working all things together for our good and for your glory, amen, and amen, and amen, hallelujah, God is good, and all the time, now that journey of goodness, it starts with God, and then we experience his goodness in our lives, his goodness is our pathway to heaven, that his goodness is our pathway to heaven, there's a, a, a passage in the book of Romans that reads this way, it says, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. What an interesting passage. No one does good, not a single one. This week, I was on the couch with my wife, And we were watching the Hallmark Channel. How many husbands do we have in the house? Then you know, you know the saying, happy wife, happy life. And so that's why I'm watching the Hallmark Channel. Because she likes it. And so I'm sitting on the couch, watching the Hallmark Channel, about to pull out my hair, and I notice that Christmas movies are already starting this week on the Hallmark Channel. And whenever Christmas is around the corner, I always start to get nervous because I know at some point the big guy in a red suit is going to look at me and ask that question, "Have you been a good boy this year?" <laughs> and I'm never sure how to answer that. Now, have I been a good boy? Compared to what? Compared to how good I could have been? Have I been a good boy compared to little Wayne? Maybe I got a shot. Have I been a good boy compared to my wife? I got no shot at that. I, I love the letter that, that one little boy wrote to Santa, actual letter. He said, dear Santa, there are three little boys in our house. David, Jeffrey, and Norman. David is good some of the time. Jeffrey is good some of the time. Norman is good all of the time. I'm Norman. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been a good boy this year? How would you answer that question? When the Bible says that no one is good, not a single one, It's a way of saying that when human beings were first created, we were created thoroughly good, essentially good. You and I were designed for goodness. Can somebody say amen to that? But when sin entered the picture, it's like a virus that infected the human race. And now every person that's born is born with this virus. And you don't have to. How many parents do we have? Let me see your hands. Have you noticed, parents, that you didn't have to teach your kids to be bad? They learned to be bad all by themselves. You know, they were bad to the bone, right? As soon as they could be. That's because this virus infects us all. The theological term for this is original sin. It's a part of the human race. And that's why even our goodness gets tainted with that virus. The Apostle Paul who wrote Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the Spirit, he wrote the whole book of Galatians because he knew how that virus could infect your goodness. It had happened to him before he became a follower of Jesus, he was trying to be a good guy. He was practicing his faith. He was obeying the religious rules. No, he was trying to be good so that he could be right with God. And then he has this dramatic encounter with Jesus. And he sees that his his whole idea of goodness, well, his whole world's been upside down that he thought he was doing good by chasing down believers and persecuting them for their faith. But that goodness had been infected by the virus, and even his goodness ended up being very bad. And so now he writes this letter to say, well, no one can be good enough because of that virus To be made right with God. It's not our goodness that makes us right with God. It's the goodness of Jesus that makes us right with God. Amen. Hallelujah. The goodness of Jesus. He says, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. That it's his goodness You know, it's not my goodness that makes me right with God. It's the goodness of Jesus that makes me right with God. You know, it's not when I get to heaven, I'm not going to walk around saying, look at what I've done. I'm going to walk around saying, look at what Jesus has done. Boy, this is so important. Friend, Jesus lived the life that we could not live, the perfect life, and he died the death that we deserve to die. And when we put our faith and trust in who he is and what he's done for us, the Bible says, For God caused Christ, who himself knew nothing of sin, actually to be sin for our sakes, so that in Christ we might be made good with the goodness of God. Can we give God praise for his goodness? Amen. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh God, oh, God is good. And all the time. And that goodness now starts to transform us. It transforms us inside and out. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read this about that goodness. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things. Good things. See that with me. Good things. Say it one more time. Good things that he planned for us long ago. On the internet, there was this one clip of a good thing that this football team did, a college football team did for a kid who was battling brain cancer. Watch the screens and you can see it for yourself. Jack Hoffman has been adopted really by this football team. A young man who has battled brain cancer is on the field right now for the Hustlers. One more snap for Taylor Martinez too who will hand it off to Jack. So Taylor gets the shotgun set, gives it to Jack. Here he goes. He's got blockers out in front. There he goes. Running the midfield. Listen to this crowd as Jack Hoffman, the young man that, as I mentioned, has really been adopted by this football team, to scored a touchdown. Oh wow! What a moment! And both benches <laughs> empty. That that was a moment right there. Wow! Goosebumps. Wow, when you see a good thing like that, it just makes your heart leap out of your chest. And this is the adventure you and I get to live. Everybody lock in on this. That when I wake up, I have a new sense of purpose, a sense of anticipation. That the seed of the Spirit is on the inside of me and empowers me to go out and do the good things that God has prepared for me on that day. That every day... I wake up with this sense of adventure. God, I know there are good things that you have for me this day. You've planned them out. I am the one who can uniquely do those things. I get to live every day as an adventure to be an active, powerful force for good in the world. Not to make me right with God, but because I am right with God. God is making me a powerful force for good in the world. Amen? What a way to live the adventure. I want that to get in your spirit, that being good is not just about avoiding the bad. Sometimes we just get locked in on avoiding the bad. But it's more than that. It's about being a powerful force for good. I can take you to a place where nobody does anything bad. I can introduce you to a group of people. They don't do anything bad. It's called the cemetery. Nobody there is doing anything bad. Of course, they're not doing anything at all, right? And you and I are created for more than that. We're created to be a powerful force for good in the world. The, The power of good. Never underestimate the power of a seed. The Bible says, don't let evil overcome you, but overcome evil by doing what? Good. The power of good to overcome evil. Never underestimate the power of a seed. The greatest president we've ever had, some people say it's Abraham Lincoln. And even back then, it seemed like things could get pretty rough and tumble in the world of, of politics. And he, there was this guy by the name of Stanton. And he was a thorn in the flesh to Lincoln. He called Lincoln an imbecile. He said that Lincoln looked like a gorilla. I mean, he didn't have a Twitter feed, but he said some pretty mean things. But Lincoln, think about it. If Lincoln would have responded to hate with hate, they would have both gone to their graves in hatred for one another. But instead, Abraham Lincoln responds in the opposite spirit and plants seeds of goodness in their relationship. He ends up hiring Stanton to work for him on his cabinet. And he's planting seeds of goodness that eventually change Stanton's heart. So he starts to respect Lincoln. He even begins to be a friend to Lincoln. And when Lincoln died, Stanton is the one who gave a famous speech at his funeral. He cried and talked about Lincoln being one of the greatest men who has ever lived, and now he belongs to the ages. How do you transform evil in the world? You overcome evil by planting seeds of goodness and never underestimate the power of a seed that God and his goodness will have the ultimate say in our world Amen? amen and not only does well do we start to do good things but we start to do them for the right reasons there were a group of people in the first century they loved to do good things things like praying and fasting and giving those are all good things to do but they did them because they wanted to look good. They wanted everybody to see them and see how good they were. And so they did them. Their motives were really self-serving. Their motives were self-centered. And Jesus calls a timeout and says, wait a second. It's not just what you do that matters. It's why you do it that matters. That he lifts our actions and our motives to a whole new level. I like how one paraphrase. Describes the words of Jesus. Jesus is saying, be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it. Say that with me. Just do it. Quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. Amen. That's a great... A great place to praise God. That God lifts up my motives. It's not just what I do, but why I do it. He takes him to a whole new level. When I was preparing this message, my wife, I was talking with her about it. And she reminded me of a story. She was right down the street in line for Chick-fil-A. And I get one of those great chicken sandwiches. And so she's in line with her car and she's waiting and... So she gets up to the counter and the person at the counter, once my wife Elisa gives him the card, her the card, the lady looks at the card, she gives it back to Elisa and says, somebody took care of your meal. You don't have to pay. Yeah, amen. That's right. And just in case you're looking for something to do this week, you can pay for my meal anytime. Amen. (laughs) I'm just just joking. I ah, just ruined the story. Oh, so my wife looks around and she's trying to see well who did that. And to this day she doesn't know who paid for her meal. It was anonymous. There was no hidden motive, no hidden agenda. Someone was not trying to pick up my wife. Amen. Thank God for that. It just was there to bless my wife. And my wife was having a really rough day. And when she was blessed by that anonymous gift, that good thing became a God thing. Never underestimate, amen, the power of good. And I was thinking, here's the takeaway assignment. I'm going to invite you to join me this week. Figure out a way you can bless somebody, but bless them anonymously. Don't let them know who blessed them that there's no hidden motive, no ulterior agenda. Instead, the reason you are doing what you do ultimately is to honor God and glorify God and to be an active force for good in our world. And if we were to all go and do that this week, well, I wonder if that could start something in the valley and overcome evil with the goodness of God. That God is good. And all the time. Boy, and I can see goodness starting to rise up in this place. In fact, look at somebody and tell them, you're good to the bone. Go ahead and do that. You're good to the bone. I can see it happening. You know, the Bible says this last point, and then we're going to take communion together, that his goodness gives us victory over evil. The ushers are preparing to serve communion And as they prepare, let me talk to you a little bit about victory. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, right before the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. That there's this internal fight on the inside of us. It's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. And if we're honest about what's really going on inside, there's a celebrity chef who passed away earlier this year, Anthony Bourdain. And he was talking about that inner struggle in an interview. He said, look, I understand that inside me there's a greedy, gluttonous, lazy hippie. I understand that there's a guy inside me who wants to lay in bed and smoke weed all day and watch old movies. My whole life is a series of strategies to outwit that guy. And when you become a follower of Jesus, the war with God is over, but the war against the sinful nature really is intensifying Because the spirit is now on the inside of you and you will fight that battle with the sinful nature for the rest of your life until you get to heaven. You are not alone in your struggle. I am not alone. Say that with me. I am not alone. That the greatest leaders in church history, Martin Luther said, when I became a believer and was baptized, I thought I had drowned the old man, but I found out that rascal knew how to swim. (laughs) Anybody know what he's talking about? So the battle doesn't end. It just intensifies. But the good news is this, because the seed of the Spirit is on the inside of you. We don't have to live in defeat or walk in defeat, but Jesus can give us victory. Amen? In fact, yeah, hallelujah. I was talking with a guy after service last week, and boy, man, just this guy was rough and tough, and he at one time had been bad to the bone. He had been in and out of prison a few times and been involved, heavy duty into the gang lifestyle, and as we were talking in the back, he shared a little bit of his journey with me. Six months ago, God began to change his life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. The power of God to change your life. He talked about how he had been clean and sober now for six months. Isn't that great? How he had left the gang lifestyle. How God had opened up the door for him to be employed how he was putting back his life together one day at a time, how he had plugged into the church and now wanted to find a way to give back. And friend, I believe and declare that that man is going to be a force for goodness in his life. Because even at one point, if I've been a force For evil in this world, the power of God can turn me around and make me a force for good in this world. Amen? That's where he's headed. Victory. Victory. Say that with me. Victory. How does it happen? How does it happen? How can I engage the victory? There's an old Native American tale that goes like this. A grandfather was out with his grandson and wanted to give him a life lesson and so he said grandson on the inside of me there are these two wolves there's a good wolf and an evil wolf and they're both on the inside of me and he said they're also on the inside of you they really are they're on the inside of every person and as the grandson thought about it he said well grandpa Which wolf wins? And the grandfather said, the one that you feed the most. That's why I'm so glad that you're here this weekend. I'm so glad you're watching online. Because when you come and you worship God and we sit before his word, and we pray together, and we get involved in serving, and we're rubbing shoulders with other people of faith. This is one of the ways we feed the right side of ourselves, and we're on our way to victory. Can we give God praise? Amen. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!